While we are receiving the offering here in our service, let me share a great need, your prayers. Please pray with us that God would use and bless the Foothills Baptist Gospel Hour. This program is a ministry of Foothills Baptist Church of Loveland. If the Lord would lay on your heart to donate to the Foothills Baptist Gospel Hour, we will provide our contact information at the end of this program. We will now return to the service. Take your Bibles, if you would, this morning and open to John, the Gospel of John in chapter 8. The Gospel of John in chapter 8. As we uh, sing and as I have opportunity and, and look around the, the auditorium and, and look into the faces and the eyes of each one that is here this morning. And, and for some, I, I see the, the weariness of a week or a month or, or whatever. For some, and and I'm talking about heavy things that you may be dealing with in life. For others, I may see the physical exhaustion of a very busy week and uh, one that just took its toll for the week. For others, I'd see just the, uh, you know, they're, they're able to just show the pure delight of being in God's house. Some carry a, a burden and a concern for family that they love. And you know what? I get the favorite hour of the week to tell you about Jesus Christ. No matter the weariness, no matter the heaviness, our Lord has the answers for you. Our Lord is good. And uh, as it says in, in the epistle of Peter, casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. And so as I get to preach Jesus Christ this morning, and I'll be preaching the word again tonight at 5 o'clock and again Thursday night, and those are my three favorite hours of the week. Because I get to tell you about God's good word in all three of them. But uh, this morning I get to preach Christ and, and the goodness of the Lord Jesus Christ. And the theme of this message, the title of this message is where Jesus Christ said, I am the light of the world. Now let's stand together for the reading of God's word, John chapter 8. And I'm going to begin reading with verse 12. John chapter 8 and verse 12. Then spake Jesus again unto them, saying, I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. The Pharisees therefore said unto him, Thou bearest record of thyself, thy record is not true. Jesus answered and said unto them, Though I bear record of myself, yet my record is true, for I know whence I came and whither I go, but ye cannot tell whence I come and whither I go. Ye judge after the flesh, I judge no man, and yet if I judge, my judgment is true, for I am not alone, but I and the Father that sent me. It is also written in your law, that the testimony of two men is true. I am one that bear witness of myself, and the Father that sent me beareth witness of me. Then said they unto him, Where is thy father? Jesus answered, Ye neither know me nor my father. If ye had known me, ye should have known my father also. These words spake Jesus in the treasury as he taught in the temple and no man laid hands on him for his hour was not yet come. 
Father, we come to you this morning and we look at this passage and we will study this passage and learn what you would have for us today. Father, what a wonderful thing that you have come into the world, that we might have life, but not only life, but light and understanding. And so, Father, we we seek your leading, we seek your direction. If there is someone here that is without Jesus Christ as their Savior, we pray that the light of the gospel would shine to their heart and bring them out of darkness through repentance and faith. And then for each believer, we pray that um, this message would be, as Psalm says, a lamp unto our feet and a light to our path to show us how we ought to live. We pray in Jesus' precious name. Amen. You may be seated. Our study in the Gospel of John continues at the end of the Feast of the Tabernacles. As you recall, as we have been going through John in this part of the Gospels, that uh, uh, the Lord Jesus Christ had come up to the Feast of the Tabernacles, and after the end of that little over week-long event, uh, he, he was... Uh, confronted by the Pharisees. And as it begins, this whole chapter is a chapter of great controversy by those that rejected Jesus Christ as the Messiah. Now do understand, you and I are going to encounter people just like this that reject Jesus Christ for who He is and for what He has done, and they'll reject Him on on numerous levels and for a number of reasons. And they will always question, and and as we find in this passage, they, they question who He is. They question what He does. They question His family. They question the very words that He teaches. They question everything about them. But unfortunately, there was a, a, a sad and a dangerous blindness in their eyes. Now, it is one thing to be guarded against the gullibility towards false prophets. We do have to be careful. And I am never concerned when those of my church family or those beyond our church family bring questions about God and about the Bible, when they simply have a desire to know what the truth is. But it is rather challenging when somebody of an antagonistic spirit just wants to oppose and criticize and question who God is to try to steepen their unbelief and their blindness. That's quite a different thing. Someone has said there is no greater blindness than an unwillingness to see. And that's where his opposition, the Pharisees, were at. They didn't believe, but they didn't want to believe. They didn't see, and at the same time they didn't want to see. And they didn't want anybody else to see. And that may be the greater tragedy. It's one thing to try to make that decision for yourself that I'm going to reject Jesus Christ and I'm not going to believe Him and I'm not going to follow Him. But it is quite another thing when somebody who rejects Jesus Christ will go to the ultimate extremes to try to stop somebody else from believing or coming to the light. And that is our problem in this passage with the spiritual leadership. And I might say it's even worse when spiritual leadership goes down those steps. Those who claim to be the children of God 
However, they reject Jesus Christ or his word or both. In our text, we have one of the seven great I am's of the Gospel of John. Seven times Jesus Christ said, I am. Uh, Some of the others, here we have, I am the light of the world. In another place, he said, I am the great shepherd. In another place, I am the vine. Another one, he says, I am the resurrection and life. Seven times he uses that I am. Each of those teaches something about the person and the work and the ministry of Jesus Christ, of who he is and what he has done. But that those two little words, I am. You can't get much smaller than that in words. I am carries the biggest of significance in the statement here because it echoes what God said in Exodus chapter 3, verse 14. I am that I am. And when he told Moses that, he was making Moses, helping Moses to understand that he was speaking to God who is the eternal God, the self-existing God, the self-sustaining God that needs nothing or no one else for his existence but he was the creator God from everlasting to everlasting. So when Jesus Christ was using the term, I am, he was echoing his deity and his eternality as God the Son incarnate in the flesh. What a marvelous statement we have there. Now in our passage, we're going to consider I am the light of the world. And we're going to look at three things here. Light as a revealer of life and light as a judgment of life and thirdly, light as a pathway for life. In John chapter 1 through 8, we see this symbolism repeated in these three capacities. Revealing Jesus Christ as the light. You see, a prevailing theme throughout the Bible is light versus darkness. From the very beginning, you get just right there in the first few verses of Genesis chapter 1. It talks about how God created light. The very first day, the very first thing, He created light. Because the the earth or, or this place was just covered with darkness and without form and without void. And he created light and he separated light from darkness is what he did. In Revelation, we see the conclusion of all the matter and the transition into eternity future where the lost are cast into the utter darkness... But the believers will spend an eternity where there is no need for the sun because Jesus Christ will be the light therein. And so again, we see the great contrast with that. So let's emphasize these three great truths. And I begin, as the light of the world, Jesus Christ is the revealer of life. Turn to John chapter 1. Go back to John chapter 1. And let me read a few verses here. I'll begin with verse 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. 
all things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. That included light the first day. In him was life. And the life was the light of men. And the light shineth in darkness, and darkness comprehended it not. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. The same came for a witness to bear witness of the light that all men through him might believe. He was not the light, but was sent to bear witness of that light. That was the true light which lighteth every man that cometh into the world. Now drop down to verse 18. No man hath seen God at any time. The only begotten Son which is in the bosom of the Father, He hath declared Him. Now here's what I would understand. Jesus Christ, who is the light of the world, reveals life. Life, human life. Animal life, plant life. If you stop to think about this, all life really is a marvel. It is the miracle of God that life even exists. How do you fathom the seed unifying with the egg and life begins? And it grows within the womb of the mother. And with time, we see another generation has been given birth to. Whether it be in animal life or human life, that same or almost similar process takes place. Or how do you explain in plant life? How the seed can either fall to the ground or be placed into the ground. And that very seed dies itself to spring forth with new life. First the sprout and the root and then the shoot and the plant and later the fruit. You see, for probably near 6,000 years or so, Men have scientifically tried to study that. And we can have all kinds of volumes of the discoveries of the process of life. And how life is transferred from one generation to another generation. And volume upon volume can describe and explain and academically just diagnose and take everything apart bit by bit. But come back to the very basics. Life. It exists. You and I cannot create life. We cannot uh, design life. We cannot uh, invent life. We can only study life. Life is a miraculous gift from God. That there's no other way apart from that, that the beginning of life came from God and the propagation of life was instituted by God. And so here we see that the light of the world is Jesus Christ who is the revealer of life. One of the greatest questions 
that man has studied and pursued and tried to answer. And many times answers wrong and will always answer wrong apart from the Bible. But they try to figure out where did we come from, which means where did life begin and how did life begin? And God answers that. As the light of the world, Jesus Christ reveals the miracle of life. As God spoke it into existence, and finally as He created Adam and and, and created him out of the dust and blew the breath of life into him, and life miraculously came from that. And so He is the revealer of life. Divine life. You'll find in verse 18, he says, No man hath seen God at any time. The only begotten Son, which is the bosom of the Father, he hath declared him. When we talk about divine life, we talk about God. By and large, humanity has been created by God with some type of an understanding that there is a God. They say it's that God part, and I want to be careful how I use the term. But, but they, they believe in, and look and, and understand that there has to be a God. You look at, now, now as man discovers and understands who the one true God is, they want to reject God and say there is no God. But you look through all of the history of humanity, and they search for God. They may call their dog a god. They may call the bird a god. They may call fire a god. They may call the sun a god. They make a god out of anything and everything. Because they believe there has to be a god. But they don't know who God is. And as Jesus Christ came, it says that he revealed who the one true God is. And by, by seeing Jesus Christ, you can know God the Father and know anything and everything you need to know about God the Father. And it's recorded in the Word. He came to reveal so that we can know the one true God and not follow the false gods of humanity. Because who you believe or what you believe about God will determine your destiny. It goes beyond just what this life and this world has to say. Because if there be a God, and I believe there is the one true creator God, then life has to be more than just this mortal years that is uh, transpired on this earth. There is an eternity, and there is a purpose. And as Jesus Christ came, He came to reveal God. Turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, and let me begin with verse 4. In whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not. The God of this world is talking about Satan, who is the prince of the power of the air, who gives humanity the plethora of other gods they want to follow and worship and serve. But he has blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the light of the world, who is the image of God. When you look at Jesus Christ, when you read everything about Jesus Christ, he is the image of God the Father and reveals who God the Father is. 
who is the image of God, should shine unto them. For we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves your servants for Jesus' sake. For God, who commanded the light to shine out of darkness, has shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. And so we see that as the light of the world, He reveals divine life. Our Creator God, the one true God of all things. So Jesus Christ is the revealer of life, divine life, but also eternal life. As the light of the world, Jesus Christ reveals how mortal life can have eternal life through Jesus Christ, the Redeemer. In John chapter 10, verses 27 through 28, Jesus Christ said, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me, and I give unto them eternal life. And they shall never perish, neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. Not only did he reveal the miracle of life itself, and reveal life eternally, God, divine life. But Jesus Christ, over and over, as the light of the world, revealed how you and I can have eternal life. He, he revealed our great need. He revealed His great work, His great heart. One of the great missions of His coming is to seek and to save those that are lost. And to give them as a gift, eternal life with this. And so, the first thing we see is, as the light of the world, He reveals light. Now turn to John chapter 3. Turn to John chapter 3, and beginning with verse 18, here's something else that the light of the world does, and that light does. Here He says, He that believeth on Him is not condemned. But he that believeth not is condemned already, because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. And this is the condemnation, that light is come into the world, and men love darkness rather than light, because their deeds were evil. For every one that doeth evil hateth the light, neither cometh to the light, lest his deeds be reproved. But he that doeth truth cometh to the life, that his deeds may be made manifest, that they are wrought in God. The second thing, as the light of the world, it is an exposure of sin and God's judgment of life. You see, light speaks of righteousness, darkness speaks of evil. You'll find that as a prevailing theme in the Word of God. You cannot turn darkness off. You cannot walk into a room and it's dark and flip a switch and shut darkness off. However, you can walk into a dark room and turn a switch and turn the light on. Or you can turn the light off. Darkness is. And light can be shined upon darkness. You turn the light on and the cockroaches of life scurry for the shadows to hide. Turn with me to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. And I'll begin with verse 8. Wherefore he saith, 
No, it's chapter 5, I'm sorry. Ephesians chapter 5. And beginning with verse 8. For ye were sometimes darkness, but now are ye light in the Lord. Walk as children of the light. For the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness and righteousness and truth, proving what is acceptable unto the Lord. And have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them. For it is a shame even to speak of those things which are done of them in secret. You see, darkness is a picture of sin, but sinners most of the time prefer darkness to commit their sin. They don't, whether it be physical darkness, or they like to have their sin hidden so nobody understands or comprehends or sees it. That is typical that you will see. God has put into the conscience of man an understanding of right and wrong on some level. Unfortunately, as man pursues sin, he can sear his conscience and harden his conscience to understand what right and wrong is. But even in the hardest of sinners, they still know that some of the big things are wrong. You take a habitual liar, a pathological liar, that's has no qualms about telling lies as a way of life. They hate it when somebody lies to them. They know what's wrong. You take a thief. They have no qualms of stealing anything, everything, or whatever from somebody else. But it can make them absolutely furious if anybody steals from them or steals everything from them. And they would decry, how wrong that is. How dare you take that from me? How dare you lie to me? As though suddenly it becomes wrong. They know it's wrong. You take a violent murderer. He knows on some level it is wrong. Because if he becomes the the vulnerable victim of the next murder, he will plead for mercy. Don't kill me. Don't destroy me. Don't hurt me. You take some of the most sadistic, brutal leaders that have tortured and killed and just uh, terrorized people one right after another. I think Saddam Hussein, I I still remember this, of of how brutal he and his two sons were in all of their tyranny with, with murder and violence. But then when he was out of power and he was the potential subject of such. He cowered like a whipped puppy and cried, have mercy, don't kill me. You can't kill me. Give me political asylum. You, you got to treat me like a king. You, gotta tr- you, you, can't be, you can't beat me. They know it's wrong. But, but here's something about right and wrong. And how Christ reveals right and wrong. Artificial light, as we look around here in this room, for the most part we have artificial light. We have natural light being uh, diffused through these uh, obscure windows. But as you look around the room, you see a piano, a pulpit, uh, an organ, you see pews, you see other people, you see some of the decor. You kind of see the big things. 
But if this was one of those bright, shiny days, and we opened up that window so a ray of natural, or uh, of yeah, natural light, sunlight came through, within the the sphere of those natural light, we would see what we don't see right now. All of those dust particles floating around in the room. The pollen particles floating in the air. Maybe those tiny little gnats that we that are so small we don't see them. But the sun ray exposes it to our naked eye. You see, Jesus Christ as the light of the world not only exposes the big things that are wrong, but the little things that we call little. In God's eyes, sin is sin. Simply as that. You'll find three definitions of sin in the Bible. One, the unpardonable sin. That is spoken of in the Gospels. And what the unpardonable sin is, is to give credit to the devil for the work of the Holy Spirit. That's in simplicity. Then it talks about that all sin is sin except that of fornication or adultery. Because that impacts the body like no other sin. And then everything else is identified as sin. But it's all sin. It's all wrong. And all will be judged of God. And, and, and who he was talking to and who he was being confronted by, the Pharisees, they could see the big things, the big pictures. And, and we presume, by and large, the Pharisees were not murderers. We presume by and large that they were not thieves other than doing it legally through what they were doing in the, in the treasury at the house of the Lord in their greed and taking advantage of people. They probably were not immoral people. But what they didn't like, and, and by holding themselves to that type of standard... They acted in their self-righteousness that they were better than anybody else. But as the Lord Jesus Christ exposed the light, He exposed their greed. He exposed their hypocrisy. He exposed their pride. And they didn't like it. And so we see that Jesus Christ, as the light of the world... Number one, reveals life and the miracle of life. From human life, divine life, to eternal life. But as the light of the world, he brings an exposure of sin. That we may understand what is right and what is wrong. And bring it onto a personal basis that when we have sinned, we are wrong before God. But then in John chapter 8 and verse 12, in our passage this morning... The third incident in the Gospel of John where it puts an emphasis on light. He says, I am the light of the world. And here we see light as a pathway of life. He follows that great statement up. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. Now that sounds like a path for life. A direction for life. A couple of key words are follow and walk. 
The concept I would understand of the word follow, he that followeth me, includes an understanding uh, of bringing us to belief in the Lord Jesus Christ. To follow him is to see sin as, as the light of the world has exposed sin and to see sin as God sees sin. And to see self as a sinner and to have repented of our sin and then put the faith in Jesus Christ and want to follow and have a real personal relationship with Jesus and want to do this. That is follow. To walk is the other key. It reveals there are two separate pathways of life, a pathway of darkness, a pathway of light. And those that follow Jesus Christ who have received him as their savior want to abandon the pathway of darkness and follow the pathway of righteousness. They don't want the broad way that many or most will find that leads to destruction. They want that narrow path. Oh, there will only be a few. It's not going to be crowded. But will lead to eternal life in its eternal destiny. We see that in this pathway, there's, there's just different ways. They're going opposite directions. James 4.4 4 says, Friendship with the world is enmity with God. We have in our culture in Christendom in America, to where people simply want to add Jesus to their life, and I'm not sure why, other than it may give them a little bit of comfort zone or whatever. But they simply want to add Jesus to their life, but they don't want to change their life. People who are truly born again, they, they understand sin's wrong. And, and there is a, a comprehension that, that, that is a horrible thing, and that's why Jesus Christ had to be crucified, and that's why he died, is to pay for our sin penalty. And there should be an understanding that I don't want to go down that road anymore. I I, I do not understand somebody who wants to profess Christ and act like the world and live like the devil. I do not know. You see, Romans tells us that if and when we fully understand the scope of sin, not only is its punishment death, But its reality is bondage. Any sin, every sin, all sin, is a form of slavery and bondage to that sin. And why do I want to walk down a pathway of darkness with all of the bondage that goes with it? When it talks about uh, how He has given us liberty... And how he has given us freedom. We're not talking about liberty and freedom to go and do however the lust of the flesh want us to do. He's talking about how he has delivered us from the bondage of sin to where we have to, don't have to serve sin anymore. No matter what the sin is. Envision every sin as a cell block. Whether it be a cell block of isolation or a cell block where there's a multitude of prisoners in there, but it is like a cell block and all you have is these four walls or the prison yard. You have only these limitations. 
But Jesus Christ, who has saved us, He has opened up the gate. He has delivered us. He has let us out so we don't have to serve sin anymore, but give us a new and a free life so that we can do what God created us to do, so that we can walk with Jesus the way He designed for us to walk with Him. He has given us a new pathway. The Bible says you cannot please the world and please God. And quite frankly, the world didn't die for my sin. I'm not here to please them. I'm here to reach them. I am not here to be a friend of the world. I am here to be friendly to them so I can share the gospel. Psalm 119, 105. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. He has given us a lighted pathway. There's no need for us to stub our toe. There is no need for us to fall over things and and stumble in things in the dark. He has given us a lighted pathway. Romans 6.23, or Proverbs 6.23 says, For the commandment is a lamp, and the law is a light. And reproofs of our instruction are the way of life. You see, He has given us a lighted path wherein we may walk. 2 Corinthians chapter 6. 2 Corinthians chapter 6 and beginning with 14. Be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness? Good question. I have no kindred spirit with the things of this world. The evil of this world, the unrighteousness. But oh, what sweet communion to sit down with another believer that loves the Lord. That loves righteousness and hates evil. That that just delights in the good things of God. Oh, what sweet communion that is. What communion hath light with darkness? They just don't work together. And what concord hath Christ with Belial? For what part hath he that believeth with an infidel? And what agreement hath the temple of God with idols? For ye are the temple of the living God. As God said, I will dwell in them and walk in them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Then we have a command. Wherefore, come out from among them, and be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you. Do you know what? That is a command, but it also ought to be a delight. Let me go back in in history just a little bit into America. Uh, post 9-11, when we were attacked by those planes and and uh, the terrorism that took place with that, and, and there was an enemy that had been identified by our government. And as a result, there was a great command that went out. We needed more soldiers. We, we needed recruits into the military. And people lined up. They said, we're going to go and fight this. It, they didn't need a draft to force people in. Where am I going with this? When Jesus Christ said, wherefore come out from among them, I'm coming. I don't need a draft card. I don't need to be grabbed and drug in. I'm coming. Because I see the crud of sin. 
and I want to walk and have a real relationship with Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the light of the world, reveals the right pathway of life in Christ. And it is a life of righteousness. These three great truths about Jesus Christ being the light of the world were not recorded and preserved for our academic study and understanding. They have been preserved so that they can be presented to you and to me with a choice that brings eternal consequences. One of the prevailing themes from the Gospel of John from chapter 1 to the end of the book is belief versus unbelief. In this chapter, the Pharisees did not believe, but I believe it's in verse 30. There were many people that heard the conversations and heard the dialogue and they believed in Jesus Christ. Sometimes you and I may find ourselves encountering a very frustrating conflict in presenting Jesus Christ. It may not be the other side of that discussion that will be helped. It may be somebody that is overhearing, like it was here, that will hear it and put their faith in Jesus Christ. What a wonderful thing. And so, belief versus unbelief. This has been preserved for you and I, where Christ presents himself as the light of the world. But then he brings it down to an individual choice. If you will look back in John chapter 8 and verse 20 or verse 12, I am the light of the world. He, we show the broad, he shows the broad scope of the work of Christ. It says in Hebrews that he tasted death for every man. It says that whosoever will believe, he says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That's the scope of God's mercy, God's compassion, God's redemptive work. It reaches out to all, but then it comes down to this point. He, it is a personal choice. It is not a choice by committee. It is not a choice by crowd. It is not a choice that comes by birth and identity or gender or or heritage. It is a personal. He that followeth, he makes it a personal choice and a personal opportunity. I find it also interesting that Christ presented this message. I am the light of the world. It was at the end of the Feast of the Tabernacles. It was in the most public, accessible place of the temple to where people could come and hear this message. It was not the holy place where only priests could come and go. It was not the holy of holies where only the high priest could go. But here was the place where the widest diversity of people could come and have access. And I understand that, that in this area there was this giant candle opera that would be lit as a reminder of how God led by, by, by fire and by cloud and by the old tabernacle that had the, the candle opera in it. And as that was there, he looked at that and said, you don't have the Shekinah glory in your temple anymore, but I am the light of the world. I am the one that fulfills all of the shadows, all of the types, all of the pictures of the Old Testament. I am the one that was prophesied to come, in essence. I am the light of the world. 
the greater tragedy is men love darkness rather than light. That choice is given to you. If you are without Jesus Christ, bring this down to you. He, you have a personal choice as to whether to receive or reject, believe or not believe. That is the choice that is given. But for you and I as believers, we are also challenged and encouraged and reinforced in our Christian life. That is the light of the world. He has given us the lamp. The Word of God is talking as a light as well. And, and you cannot separate the living Word from the written Word as a light that lightens our path as to how to live. Isn't that marvelous what God has done for us? He didn't save us and leave us as babes to, to fend for ourselves or to survive on our own. He has given us direction for life as well. Our God is good. Father, we come to you this morning. Use this study, use this passage, and direct it into hearts as only the Holy Spirit can direct it. Father, I have needed your help to deliver your truth, and I thank you for that. But only the Holy Spirit can take it into a personal work in each and every life. And we beg that that he would be fruitful in all that he does. We pray in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Foothills Baptist Gospel Hour. For more information about Foothills Baptist Church of Loveland, Colorado, you may visit our website at foothillsbaptistchurch.com. If you wish to donate to this radio ministry, please make your check payable to Foothills Baptist Church and mail to P.O. Box 771, Loveland, Colorado, 80539. Or you may go to our website at foothillsbaptistchurch.com and click on the Give tab. We would love to have you visit our regular Sunday services with morning worship at 9.30, Sunday school at 10.50, and Sunday evening at 5 o'clock. And until we meet again, be sure you are...
that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now am found. Was blind, but now I see. Was grace that taught my heart to fear, and grace my fears relieved. How precious did that grace appear? The Mike Morris, owner of Warriors Revolution Tactical in Longmont. At Warriors Revolution, we have the largest selection of tactical gear and ammo in northern Colorado. But what many people may not know is that we now sell firearms. And even despite the recent run on firearms and ammunition, we have plenty of product in the store, including ARs, AKs, Glocks, SIGs, HK, and more. And don't forget all the bulk ammunition at the best prices in town. Need to do a private firearms transfer? We can do that, too. I am a veteran of the United States Marine Corps. And our team is made up of veterans and security experts, not a bunch of salesmen. Our team is trained and fought with much of the actual equipment we sell. And one thing you should know is that we support the foundations and principles this great country was founded upon. So if you need tactical gear, ammo, firearms, AR parts or upgrades, and even survival accessories, 
Stop by and visit us on Ken Pratt Boulevard and Bowen Street in Longmont. Or visit WarriorsRevolution.com. That's WarriorsRevolution.com. Hey folks, Larry Elder here. The rumors are true. KHNC listeners are loving Y-Refi. They're investing in a secure, collateralized portfolio with a high fixed rate of return that's not correlated to the stock market or to the Fed. A portfolio where you know what each monthly statement will look like with no surprises. Your interest is compounded daily, you're paid monthly, and there are no fees. You can turn your income on or off, compound it, whatever you choose. And get this. There is no loss of principal if you ever need your money back. Eldorados, you got to get in touch with Y-Refi. I've met with them personally, and take it from me, the great Eldersky, they are trustworthy, honest, and you can earn a fixed rate of return up to 10.25%. Just go to investyrefi.com. That's invest, the letter Y, then R-E-F-Y.com, or call 888-Y-REFI-24. Click on investyrefi.com or call 888-Y-REFI-24. You will be glad you did. Tommy here with Revo Knives. We're a Colorado company looking for local customers who own a business that want to make a gift for their customers or employees that they'll always use and remember. We customize our knives with your logo and information so they always look at who to get back to when they need your service. Head over to our website at RevoKnives.com or give us a call at 720-947-9599. And as always, live sharp. Of all tyrannies, a tyranny exercised for the good of its victims may be the most oppressive. It would be better to live under robber barons than under omnipotent moral busybodies. The robber baron's cruelty may sometimes sleep, his cupidity may at some point be satiated. But those who torment us for our own good will torment us without end, for they do so with the approval of their own conscience. C.S. Lewis Hi, everybody. Glenn Tate, co-host of Prepping 2.0. Shelby Gallagher here. Join us Saturdays at 9 a.m. Right here on 1360 KHNC. Where we bring you great ideas to take your preps to the next level. The globalists say resistance is futile. Will you choose to accept your slavery or declare your liberty? Find out how on Pac-Man and the Rev, Saturdays from 1 to 2. Sometimes the truth hurts. You're listening to the Roar of the Rockies, KHNC, 1360 AM, Johnstown, Greeley, Loveland, Fort Collins. The views and opinions expressed on 1360 KHNC are entirely those of the host, guests, and callers, and do not necessarily reflect the opinions of